This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Right here on 830 WCC, Julie Weisenhorn back in studio. Good morning. Bearing gifts today. Bearing gifts, yeah. We made pickles, Kathy and I, my buddy. Um, Yeah, brought that and, and some jam. What kind, of, what, kind, what kind of jam is that? Blueberry. blueberry. Yeah. Oh, wow. Bought them from the Bayfield Blueberry Guide out at the Farmer's Market. Boy. I did not pick them. But I still. Did. But still. You had to do the work <laughs> and you brought it in. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're Julie. welcome. Yeah, for Good all the stuff. gang here at the studio. I know folks at home are going to be thrilled with that, <laughs> bringing that home today. Uh, we are already getting calls uh, and text messages. If you, uh, This is our Lawn and Garden Show. Yeah. Call Smart Garden. And uh, Julie Weisenhorst from the University of Minnesota, you and your colleagues help us out all the time here. I know. It's and pretty real, soon it's at the fun. fair. Yeah. I'll be here next week, and then I'll be at the fair the first time. as well. But if you do have a, any kind of a lawn or garden question, boy, it seems like Japanese beetle. Everybody is talking about that. I know. And they have been really, uh, well, they're funny because they're in pockets. They're not just, you know, it's not like everybody in the right. metro or even across the state has had problems. It's really in pockets. and. And sometimes it's either kind of, you know, you see a few or you see a glut of them. And, and on the display garden on campus, we saw a glut of them. Mm. And they were particularly on a plum tree and an apple tree. I think I talked about that a couple yeah. weeks ago. Now the numbers are going down. And um, and so, you know, there's hope in sight, everybody. <laughs> and uh, by now you should be able to go in your backyard. If you still have a few resident beetles, you could probably pick them off at this point and pretty easily with not a whole lot of effort. So... Uh, somebody asked about on the text message. Yeah. The first one is there research to eradicate it. There is. Um, I, I I can't speak to the research. I know that uh, Jim Calkins, who's my buddy, and he's the director of research for the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association, is working to ratchet up that pest because it it is one of the major ornamental pests that we have in Minnesota and other places too. It's been in the United States for many many years. Oh, it has. Yeah, it came in on the East Coast and it's traveled its way across. And uh, became uh, it's actually been in Minnesota for about forty years. Forty. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And but it became in twenty eleven it became a real pest and people started taking notice of it. So that's I think why all of a sudden we kind of go why is it such a problem now? And it's like well it's been around but it just got bad in twenty eleven and who knows why? Climate change could be just the conditions are ideal for the grubs to live in the soil. Mm-hmm. What you can do about them for next year is to treat your lawn now with a. A Grub X type product, something that eradicates. They, the females are going in the ground to lay their eggs. The eggs will hatch. The grubs will live. So you want, and then they'll emerge as adults next year. So this is the time of year between mid mid July and September 
to treat for that. So if you want to do that, you sure can. Uh, I would also recommend on you know being very uh, conservative on your water use on your lawn. Uh, lawns are tough; they can tolerate drought, but you create a pretty nice habitat, nice and cushy in there for those eggs if you water and the larvae. A to, lot. Yeah, to water a lot. So be judicious with your watering, and and maybe that will cut down some of the population. Okay. And everybody needs to do it. Yes, everybody, <laughs> join in. Not just the one person in the neighborhood. I want to make mention that uh, we have a wonderful sponsor for the show. It's a, a CCO land company called By the Yard. They make the best patio furniture in the whole world. We thank them for uh, making this show happen. Along with people like Julie. Thank you. Sure yeah. Thanks to the sponsors. A 651-989-9226. That's our phone number. If you want to ask a lawn or garden question for Julie, you know how busy we get. So if you think of it, call us or send a text. Text number, by the way, is 81807. Mary is calling in from Owatonna, Minnesota. Thank you, Mary. What's your question for Julie? Well, I was given some uh, Thompson rose bushes many years ago, and they run on runners. And... I cut one of them down um, because it got so big, and it's, like, limp now. So I have this other massive one that's filled my my flower bed, and I am apprehensive about how to trim it back and have it still be nice. Well, if you – I would wait and trim it, actually, uh, in the spring, uh, if that's possible, if it's not covering your sidewalk or a doorway or a window – um, because right now you're, you, what you're going to experience in the winter, and you pro- probably know this, of course, is that you're going to get some winter dieback. And so if you leave it in place for the winter the way it is, uh, you'll start out with more plants, uh, more, more green plant in the spring. So if you cut it back now, you're still going to get some dieback, and you'll have to cut it back again in the spring. So I would wait. Uh, you also you can enjoy, you know, the color of the stems or if it produces rose hips. You can uh, enjoy that through the winter and get some winter interest, too. All right, 651-989. Thank you, Mary. 651-989-9226. We'll get the text message as uh, 81807. You want to grab or t- one or two? Sure, yeah. Somebody is, uh, we have a 30-year-old spruce tree we're treating for mites. I am, I'm guessing spider mites. One side has lost most needles, and I'm wondering if we will see regrowth this season. Probably not this season. And, in fact, you would not want to fertilize it or try to push it into new growth. Um, if it is a blue spruce, a Colorado spruce, uh, you could potentially – we do have – there's a fungus that we have. And you can look on the extension website. We have a great diseases of spruce trees or pests of spruce trees publication that goes into greater detail about that. It helps you to diagnose it and at least have some idea of what you might be dealing with. And then if it's a major tree, uh, we always recommend that you contact a certified arborist to come out and assess it. You already sounds like they already are because they're having it treated for mites. So um, you can t- contact, you talk to that tree service too about the regrowth, but you won't see regrowth now at this point. And if the branches are dead, you won't see any. What are some of the things, we had a text last week about the uh, U of M's website. I mean, just for the folks who have not checked it out, what are some of the things we can see? Oh, There's so much stuff I on know. There. It's a great website, really and people have worked really hard to make it that way. Uh, it is located at extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden. We have uh, many, many publications hundreds of publications on all sorts of topics pertaining to Minnesota and upper Midwest gardening. We have some excellent diagnostic tools. One is called What's Wrong With My Plant, 
that's a disease diagnosis. Actually, it's more than that. It's basically you see something going on, you're like, what's that? You can go to that, and it'll help you key through that and get some ideas and then lead you to publications about how to manage that issue if it is an issue. We have what insect is that, which is great for insect ID, and then we have is this plant a weed? And uh, that will help you with managing things like Creeping Charlie, mm-hmm. our favorite weed. <laughs> you were the first <laughs> Most to mention popular. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, last but not least, we have Ask Extension, and that's, that's a, a, a site where you can go in and, uh, and reach us via email or phone calls to Master Gardeners uh, or also um, on, online you can search for things. The one last thing I'd like to point out is we have Flowers for Pollinators, which is a special section mm-hmm. on growing gardens for pollinators and ways to encourage pollinator hab- habitat in your yard. Super hot topic right now. It really is. And then Water Wisely, which is about watering trees, sh- trees and shrubs, lawns, and gardens. And I particularly point people with big trees in their yard to take a look at the watering established trees because we forget about our established trees. Now, we've had a lot of rain, a ton of rain just the other day, so we're doing well from a rain standpoint, but we may go through some droughty conditions, and then you want to be sure you're watering those mature yep. trees. Very good. Tell you what, I know we, uh, we're we going to go to Barber in Minneapolis in a moment, but let's take a break here, Dennis. Let's do that. Uh, if you have a uh, lawn or garden question, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. Or send Julie a text, 81807. We'll be back with Smart Garden here. 65 degrees on 830WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. That's right. Uh and we met, we promised Barbara that she'd be first yes, up here yes. after the break. Uh, thanks for waiting, Barbara. What's your question, please? Thank you very much. Good morning. I just had to take down my lovely magnolia tree. It was oh. full of scale. Oh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking for a replacement, and I saw what was called a three-season fragrant blooming lilac. Okay. And it's called Bloomerang. Um, there was it's no one there to help me. Uh, it looked like a tree. The bottom part, the trunk, was... Uh, maybe five feet tall, sure. and then all the flower and leaf was on the top. What do you say about, what are, how are those, or what would they be for so, taking care of them? So it's probably a type of Meyer lilac, which blooms longer than I think our common lilacs do, and it may be an improved variety for extended bloom. Uh-huh. Those are grafted onto those stems. Oh, okay. I so believe. it would stay that way? It would stay that way, yeah. It said spring, summer, and fall bloom. Yeah, it, it must be a different type. It must be a long-lived uh, lilac, a blooming lilac. I'm not sure. I've never heard of Bloomerang. I like the name a lot. I do, too, and it's only <laughs> five to six feet tall. That's just yep. what I want. Yeah, it's a, it makes a great accent or specimen yes. in your yard, and, and it actually it's a great accent because you see it year-round that way. You could put little fairy lights on in the winter. And, oh, sure, <laughs> or have something underneath a little bit, Yeah, too, you can plant underneath I don't underneath like them coming it. all the way to the ground. It'll take up that whole corner. Sure, sure. You can you can plant a nice, uh, you know, some. they're going to get full sun under them if that's that area. So. Yep, yep, it'll be full sun. Well, will I have to keep it trimmed that way, or will that the way, is that the way it'll be? You'll... Uh, You'll want to look at the directions when you get it about okay. what time to prune it because because it blooms it, apparently multi seasons or through the through the growing season you want to shear it at the right time and you'll just take a shear and just loosely trim off any you know wanky branches that are growing out. 
Okay. Yeah. Good. So take a look. That's fun. It's fun to try those plants. You know, they're everybody. They're coming out with new plants all the time. All the time. So Thanks, Barbara. Give it a whirl. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Marg in Lino Lakes. Marg, you're on with Julie. Oh, good morning. Good Thank morning. you very much for taking the call. You bet. I have a plant, dianthus. They're yes. like little carnations. Love them. And they, what seems to happen is the buds come up, but then they die. Um, they don't. The flowers don't come out. Is it a pest? I'm not over fertilizing, and I don't think I'm over watering. Okay. Is uh, uh, is it in full sun or? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's it's on a and it's in they're in pots. It's on a on a deck. Okay. And it gets a sun most of the day, sort of east and south. Well, I'm baffled because they're in pots. I was going to ask you if you have clay soil, heavy clay soil that that's restricting some of the drainage. No, and when we planted them, we put them in that really good miracle grow that's supposed to, you know, you're not over water and right. Um, Have you hmm, have you dug? Have you taken up one of the plants out of the pot and taken a look at the roots? I have not. Okay, I would probably do that most of the time when you get some kind of a dieback like that where the buds don't emerge. Or the um, or the flowers drop off or something. Sometimes it's related to the root area. So you can just if you just pop one out of there and take a look at it. If it looks really healthy, um, then I think um, it might be just that there might you know some of those potting soils come with a lot of fertilizer in them, mixed premixed in them, and that might be the case. It might just be over being over fertilized. I find that hard to believe because dianthus is a pretty easygoing plant, I think, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and one of the garden stores suggested that I use a fertilizer that's specifically for flowering. I did try it this week. I okay. I really uh diluted it. Sure. But that didn't seem to help. Okay. Well it might take a little while before it actually takes effect. So I would keep that might be a good advice. Um I would take a look at the roots, though, and examine the base of the plant and make sure that, you know, take a look underneath also uh, the leaves because sometimes critters will hide under there. Hmm. And they might just be nibbling on those buds and killing them before they go off, before they have a chance to bloom. All right, Mark, thank you very much. Good question. Uh, Back to the phones. Uh, Jack is calling from Annandale with a question. We're listening, Jack. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. My question is, on my lawn... I have got this orangish uh, powder throughout the grass, and if you walk on it, it you know you get it on your shoes and yes. whatnot. And I was just wondering why and where and how come and what do I do? Okay, so that is a rust disease, and it is uh, what you're getting are the spores from that rust. It's a fungus, okay. and uh, and so I I think I'm trying to remember. I think usually, do you have an irrigated lawn? No. Okay. Uh, sometimes they emerge because it's hot and humid, and I'm just I'm thinking I'm looking on the website right now actually under lawn rust because that is I know Sam has written a number of things about that, and um, and so I would take a look at our website and look for the lawn diseases section and oh. or, or type in search in lawn rust and that will give you some control methods. Usually it has to do with humidity. It might be that the lawn is too long and you need to tr- maybe need to mow it. Um, sometimes it's it's where the the you've just kind of created a nice environment for that fungus to grow. I don't think there's I anything see. to do about it. Um, All right. I, th- well, I think thank it will you very much. it'll go away when things dry up. So not to worry. Not to worry. I think. Yeah, I would take a look at the website though. 
I'm a little rusty on my rust. <laughs> Very good. We set you up for that. Now, uh, thanks, Jack, for who, that call. Let's let's remind our listeners. I know we have to break here shortly. We're gonna we have more callers and texters. Now, who is going to be with us uh, on our veranda at the oh, state fair? Yeah. Now, so first, the first Saturday will be the 26th. So it'll be me and uh, Dr. Eric Watkins from oh, yeah. our turf grass program. Sure. He's been on before. Yes, and he's a Minnesota guy. And uh, and on the second weekend, it'll be Mary and Sam. Okay, so we'll so uh, yeah, we'll so have both the big uh, guns. The, yeah, <laughs> both the turf uh, turf people. Yep, both Saturday. Plenty of opportunity too. for those lawn questions. <laughs> Excellent. All right, just wanted to remind folks. We'll see you at the fair. Hang on, Julie. We'll uh, take this uh, break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So, folks on the line, hang on, or send a text if you like eight one eight zero seven. I do see one line open six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us every Saturday by our good friends at By the Yard, down near Jordan, Minnesota, make really great patio furniture. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is back in studio with us, answering your lawn and garden questions, of which there yes. are many, yes. as usual. Yes, season. Let's do this. Let's go to the phone, and then we'll pick up on some uh, text messages. Okay. What do you say? Sounds good. Uh, Barb is calling from Casson with a question. Go ahead, Barb. Thanks for waiting. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Good morning. I have a question regarding raspberries. I've had raspberries planted um, probably, I'm going to say, six, seven years. Normally, I have a fair amount of raspberries. Sure. Last fall, though I do have to say last fall, I cut them back a little bit, not Mm -hmm. to the ground, but just cut them back. I have gorgeous plants this year and not a berry. Okay. So those, uh, the gorgeous plants are the canes for next year. So they are the fruit-producing canes for next year. And they're big and long, and they're lush, and they're green, and they have nothing yeah. going on. So just yeah. I, what I'd recommend is, if you can, is leave them alone. Let okay. them photosynthesize through the fall. They'll drop their leaves. And then in the spring, when you start to see the bud break, then trim them back to a, roughly a couple of feet above the ground. Oh. Yeah, they're okay. the productive canes for next spring. The, okay. the canes that produce this year are going to die back, and you can just pull those right out of the ground or, or cut them back. If you can't okay. pull them out, yeah. So just let them be. Yep. Next let them spring. be. If they're in the way, you can yeah, yeah. Uh, you can put some poles out and just you know. Oh, sure, Just sure, tie sure. them up yep. the poles so that if they're leaning, if they're over your lawn or something, yeah, I had that problem. They're fine before. that way. Okay. All right. Thank you. So Thanks, much. Barb. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Barb leaves that line open at 651-989-9226. It's like fall questions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at the calendar. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Don't want to. I feel like. I feel like summer slipped away. Tommy in Mankato is uh, is ready to ask a question uh, about, well, what is your question, Tommy? Well, good morning to you, and thank you for taking the call. Good morning. Actually, it's a couple of questions. Uh, I have uh, three apple trees uh, in my yard. Uh, a lot of the tree, uh, a lot of the apple, the fruits, they drop, uh, especially if there's any kind of wind at all, they drop way before they're mature, uh, you know, when they're quite small. And that's a problem in itself. And another problem with it is when they drop on the lawn, uh, they begin to deteriorate or, or spoil. And that leaves a divot in the, in the lawn and kind of kills the grass or whatever in that spot. And I have a number of, like, divots in my, in my lawn. Uh, any suggestions of the problems? Thank you so very much, Now and have a good day. So if the fruit is dropping in the spring... That is actually a normal, um, kind of like a self-pruning activity of the plant. The plant has produced a ton of flowers. 
They've been pollinated by bees. You obviously have great pollination, which is super. And so what happens is that that tree will self-prune. It will drop the immature apples and hang on to a select number of them. How many? I don't know. Kind of depends on the tree and the health of the tree and the type of tree. Um, so there, that isn't a concern at that point. That's just an, a natural occurrence. Um, as far as them dropping to the ground, you got to rake them up. That's really the only thing you can do is rake up those fallen apples before they do that, uh, before they create the divot in your yard. Uh, the divot might be from animals or insects coming in and trying to and eating those rotten fruit. And one of the problems with the rotten fruit, too, is that it also breeds other issues. Um, it can attract insects that you don't want, like wasps and, and um, ants and and also critters like chipmunks and and um, squirrels that are interested in those apples. So rake up the apples. Sanitation is one of the important things if you're going to grow apples, and that's where you have to clean up dropped leaves, clean up dropped fruit. Um, if you leave them there, you can um, attract a whole lot of other issues. We have a terrific publication on pest management for home apple orchards, as well as uh, the different varieties that are available from the University of Minnesota. So take a look at that. But those are really the two reasons that, that that's going on. Okay. Why don't we uh, grab some uh, text messages while we're at it? Huh? We yeah. have a bunch of those. Oof, duh. Yeah. When should a hydrangea be cut back? You want to cut those hydrangeas back in the spring. And, uh, and you want to cut them back down to some healthy buds. You'll see the buds emerge and, uh, and cut them just above that. Leave the hydrangeas up through the winter because you get some terrific winter interest from those remaining flowers. And, and we need that in our landscapes because they're pretty bleak in the winter. So that's a good, uh, a good practice. When should, we, should I be concerned about moss on our apple tree, which is, the, which is the entire, I guess, growing the entire length above our roof line? Um, not necessarily. I would be more concerned if there's moss on your roof. Um, the one thing about trees on roof lines is you do get a lot of seeds that can get into your gutters. Uh, you can have branches that fall on your roof. You might want to have the tree pr- pruned, and you can contact a certified arborist to do that. We have a great publication on our extension website on how to hire a certified arborist. We always recommend that. They can come out and assess your plants if you're concerned about them. There are a number of spruce, <clears throat> spruce questions, too, related to that defoliation of the lower branches. And I'd have, a, I'd have a certified arborist come out and look at my trees if they were doing that. Okay. What else can you find there? Well, let's see. Do you have any ideas on deterring rabbits from eating grass seed? Well, they're probably the birds eating the grass seed more than the rabbits, and you could try mixing a little bit of topsoil in, good quality topsoil in with your seed, and then sprinkling that over your grass. Um, And also now we're getting up to the point where you can aerate. And I think, Denny, you aerated your lawn. You've done that. I have done it, and in fact, I want to do it again here in the next couple of weeks yeah, or so. Yeah, it relieves compaction of lawns. It's one of the great things to what do What a difference in the fall. it makes. It makes a huge lawn. difference. It yeah. loosens that compaction, and then you can top dress with a seed uh, and, you know, get ready for a more lush lawn in the spring. You don't want to do uh, aeration uh, in the summer or in the spring because the weed seeds are emerging at that point, you can get a lot more weeds. But in the fall, it's a great time to do it. I've Just never felt the need, and maybe I should, of dethatching. Most, uh, aeration, yeah. one thing, but I at least, of course, I have compact clay soil yeah. around my Well, house. the thatch is something that happens. It's not super common in uh, in home landscapes. So uh, if you talk to Sam, he's, he's all about aeration, and really dethatching isn't that, that big an issue. A lot of people think they have a lot of thatch. Uh, most times you would if you had very long lawn and you cut it and you let it go long again and you cut it and you didn't 
didn't collect the clippings and oh, okay. compost them. So then that they start to work in there. But usually if you cut your lawn on a fairly regular basis, you know, every few weeks or so at about three inches, you leave those clippings on. And they actually they're, they serve as one nitrogen application. So it's a pretty, pretty sweet. What does Sam say meal. about that? It's like if you leave, if you fertilize your lawn as a regular thing and you trim, you cut the lawn, leave the clippings there, it's almost like fertilizing Again. Yeah, you're adding nitrogen back yeah. into that soil. Yeah, it breaks down and provides nitrogen to those grass plants. So, so it's a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good way to go. Um, there's a couple of people talking about dropping acorns like crazy. Uh, are some years more than others? When will it be done? You almost have to wear a helmet. <laughs> wow, sorry about that. I'm not sure why that actually. I think it's just at a, an occurrence with the plants. They maybe have an overload. They produce, you know, an overload of seed, which are acorns. And they just, like that apple, they just start dropping them. They just can't support them for whatever reason. There could the be wind. Side. You know, if you're in a windy area, could uh, they could be blowing them loose. Um, could be a lot of squirrel activity up there, knocking them down. Uh, yeah, that's a that's they're great trees, but yeah, you do have to deal with the acorns. And some years, it's so like it, the texter said it. Some years it varies. Some years some are years really heavy. Varies, some years yeah. there's nothing. Well, plants do that. Plants will produce a lot. You know, that's that's a way of reproducing is is producing flower then fruit or seed, and and that's one of the things. Some years are they're heavier than others. Apple trees, some bear heavily one year and then not so heavy the next year. So. It, dep- it kind of depends. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Uh, uh, Kirsten is uh, calling from uh, Waite Park with a question. Kirsten, uh, uh, Julie's listening. Go ahead, please. Hi. I have a smoke tree in my front yard, and when we first moved in about five years ago, it looked awesome and it was full, but now, after five years, it's not really producing any more of the little fluffy um the flowers. Those are the flowers. Yeah, the smoke, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. So, do you, how do you how do you how do you prune it? We have not pruned it because okay. we don't really know much about it. It's mostly down south, um, so we don't really know how it got planted in our front yard. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're they are hardy here, as you found out. I think with those, I want to say that you could actually they're they're more of a shrub than a tree. And okay. I think you could probably do some pruning, pruning back on it uh, to encourage it to produce some new growth and therefore some new flower buds. Um, I'm not I'm not certain. I, I don't have a lot of experience with smoke trees, um, but you could also send in a, uh, a question to ask an expert on at, on the Ask Extension page. You could try that and then we could do a little bit of research for you. So you can find that okay. find that link on our garden page on extension.umn.edu. And go ahead and, awesome. and send your question in, and, and then we'll have a little bit of time to do some research for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your help. Yeah, you okay. bet. Thanks for the call. And uh, that line is now open for yours at 651-989-9226. Uh, let's see. Carol is calling from Isati with a question. Hi, Carol. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I have a trumpet vine that was planted last year and had some flowers on it. No, two years ago. And it seems to come up late in the spring. This year I have a mass, two plants, and only one cluster of flowers coming. Hmm. Do, you, do you prune it back in the spring? I, that's what I was going to ask you, too, how far I should prune it back. Does it, does it bloom from old growth or new growth? I think that blooms from new growth. New growth. Okay, yeah. I did trim it back this spring to about two feet. Okay, 
and you and still got a lot of leaves. I have a mammoth plant, okay. two mammoth plants, but there aren't. There's only one cluster of flowers coming, and I expected it to be blooming already. Right. So what I would do now is I would just do a little bit of pruning, like if you have to cut some branches or, or vining areas that are hanging, you know, in your face or something like that. I would just do a little bit of that, and then I would I, I would have to look that one up. That's one that um, I. Th- I think that the pruning is a good idea. It's almost like a rejuvenation, but I I I think take a look. You could take a look on uh the extension side and try. I don't know if we have anything on trumpet vines, but um it sounds to me um like it's a pruning thing. Either you prune a lot, prune it hard like you did, or and then let it grow for a couple of years and and I think it will I think you'll see more production next year. But I wouldn't prune it back all the way again. I would see what happens. And, uh, you know, so you're kind of doing an experiment. I'll tell you what. That's not a very good response, but. <laughs> <laughs> Were you tap dancing? There? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking hard, but I think I would experiment with that All right. and take a look at that, yeah. We need to take a break, Julie, so hang on. Uh, we'll uh, come back with uh, more of our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCS. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Yeah, good morning. Helping us out on a beautiful day. 65 is, nice out there. is the temp going for 80. Uh, let's go back to the phones, Julie. We've got uh, folks uh, waiting in line. Uh, Jean is calling from Stillwater <laughs> with a question. Go ahead, Jean. Yes, I have two apple trees in my yard, both without apples, and I have oak trees in my yard that have been there for a long, long time, and there's no acorns. And I was wondering if that's something that is common this year. Uh, well, I haven't heard except for on this show about acorns, and, and in some cases it's uh, tree-dependent, whether they produce heavily or not. Sometimes it has to do with the weather as well, but... If you don't have any acorns, it could be um, just that they're low producers. I don't know if they're red oaks or white oaks. Uh, in this case where the person was talking about heavy acorns, it was a burr oak. Um, so that could be the case. could be the type of oak tree. Uh, the other thing about the apples with no fruit, um, if you have a good bloom in the spring, uh, but one is an early bloomer and one is a late bloomer, you may not be getting cross-pollination. Now, that's it depends, too. If you have crab apples in your neighborhood, uh, the bees will carry pollen from crab apples and they'll pollinate the, um, the apple trees. But if you have no blooms at all on the tree, then it could be that the trees are just immature. And sometimes it takes, oh, boy, seven years before a tree will actually bloom, reach the maturity where it can bloom. And at that point, then, it can be pollinated and you could produce some fruit. So you might want to just wait. Uh, the other thing is if the two trees are the same cultivar and there are no crab apples in the area or no other apple trees, then you maybe want to plant a third tree that's a different cultivar to cross-pollinate those two. And I would take a look at the, pollin- at the apple varieties on our webpage about apples on the, on the Extension Garden site under fruit because there's a lot of varieties and it explains a little bit about timing as well uh, from a pollination standpoint and, and how you want to select plants so that they're blooming at the same time and can cross-pollinate. All right. Usually we have crab apples in the area. Somebody's got one that will cross-pollinate. But I think it sounds like your trees might just be immature at this mm-hmm. point. Okay, good. So just if they're healthy, let them, let them grow. 
Let's go to Marge uh, calling from Afton. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have an unusual question. I have purchased recently a former tree farm with many varieties of pines, spruce, um, and there's also a black walnut area. Um, and I would like to purchase or install a glass greenhouse in this black walnut grove for more of a separate space, not to be used as a greenhouse, but more as a entertaining area or oh, whatnot. Cool. My concern, though, um, it's wonderful because there's black walnuts don't permit other um, things to grow underneath, so it's a beautiful area. The right. trees themselves are probably the biggest, might be 10 inches in diameter, so it's pretty big grove, but placed in rows. And mm-hmm. um, But I'm concerned about those walnuts falling on the grass. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just not sure. When I look up, it's not a huge, huge um, tr- single tree. It's many trees. Right. But do you have any idea of how many, how hard these fall? Oh, whether they might break the glass? Yeah, or, or the plastic. what kind of damage they do. Yeah. Well, it will be a glass roof. Okay. Um Boy, I don't. That's kind of a physics question, and I, I don't have any knowledge of how hard they fall or whether they would break the glass. Um, my concern actually would be if you are putting in any kind of footings is about you probably wouldn't damage the roots too much, but you'd have to be pretty careful about how you place that so that you're not uh, damaging any major roots. So that's going to be kind of tricky and... Um, uh, you'll have to be kind of careful with that. So that'd be one of my concerns. But as far as the fruits falling, yeah, it's just it's just the nature of having those trees, as you know, and whether they fall and hit the roof. Uh, you could probably, if you're not using it as a greenhouse and you want to put some kind of a, a different type of roof on it, maybe you don't have a glass roof, maybe you put in skylights instead. Um, that might, or you might want to build a building that's kind of like a greenhouse. It reflects a greenhouse quality, but has a solid roof. Then you're still going to get the thunking on the roof, but at least it won't. Uh, you don't have the potential for cracking anything. Good point. Interesting though. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a neat like deal. Fun. Yeah. All right. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Let's talk to Ken because it, Ken may be yeah, our last caller here. Trumpet vine. Go ahead, Ken. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I have a I have a trumpet trumpet vine that uh, I purchased several years ago, and um, it took about uh, five years before it actually bloomed. And I asked uh, nurseries about it, and they said sure. yeah, it, it does take trumpet vines mm. quite a while to get established. Great. Well, then, uh, like about three years ago, I had like one bud cluster and flower cluster, and then last year I had several, and this year it's, it's just been blooming and started awesome. blooming and. Like the second week of July, it's still blooming. There's still bud clusters on it. Great. Um, so it's continually blooming, and uh, I've never trimmed it. Okay. Um, so I don't know if, if trimming is necessary or not, but it, it's doing really well now. Okay, that's great. So maybe the previous caller needs to wait. She didn't say how old the vine was, and maybe it just needs to mature? I think so. I, that's okay. what I've been told. The other thing I, I just happened to look up during the break is that um, those are aggressive vines, and a lot of people, they hack them down trying to kind of rein them in. And, and that is actually the recommendation for pruning is to prune them down about 8 inches, down to about 8 inches. And yeah, they, they are aggressive. They yeah, are yeah, they are, yeah, they're a great uh, living, living fence. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, thanks for that. That's great. Yeah. I didn't know that about that. So I learned something today. Yay. We have smart listeners. All right, you know we that? do. We yeah, really do. they're super helpful. In fact, uh, some of our listeners have sent a text uh, from the previous caller about the uh, greenhouse structure. Yeah. They say use plexiglass. Use plexiglass, yeah. A lot of greenhouses of, do. They have this insulated they? pocket. There's uh, one person, I don't know if we'll get to Ed in Worthington, but uh, he's asking about iris transplant. And Ed, you can look at the iris publication. It's a really good one on our extension site. And uh, that's at extension.umn.edu. And you can click on the garden tab, go to flowers. And there's one publication on iris. It talks about both bearded iris and Siberian. And that will give you information about the transplant. We've had a couple of text messages about moles, one of which is will aeration get rid of moles? Yeah, I don't know about that. It'll improve the health of your lawn, which is important. And having a a healthy lawn is, is the first thing to having a lush lawn. But moles, uh, if you ask Sam, the trapping is really the way to get rid of moles. Because yeah. they like the grubs. They, they like, like the food the grubs. Under there. Yeah, yeah, if you can get rid of the grubs, too, you might want to treat your lawn for grubs if you, and determine if you have grub issues. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week here. Yeah, I'll be back next week. And getting ready for the state fair, Woo-hoo! too. All Where's right. the corn dog? <laughs> Thanks very much, Julie. <laughs> yes, we'll be back again next week with more Smart Garden here on CCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.